welcome to the sanctuary, a safe space to speak from the heart. I'm your host, Israel, and my guest today is the creator, founder of Country Liberty, Soya Hena. How are you doing today, Soya? I'm doing fantastic today, man. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. How you doing? Good, good, good. Uh, you know, I'll just start right with it. How did you feel being on uh, Dragon's Den? Uh, Dragon's Den was uh, certainly a roller coaster of excitement and emotions and, and things like that. It was, um, you know, something that I wanted to do for a long time. I was a big fan of the show, and um, it was really, uh, you know, nerve-wracking and exciting to finally get on. Mm. Uh, what was the process like? Uh, like, what was the process to get on, and how did you prepare for your pitch? Sure, yeah. So um, this year, I believe, was different than most other years just with COVID. Um, a lot of different kind of rule changes and a lot of just unknown uh, unknowns. But um, my first pitch, actually, they host these regional pitches in uh, one per province. So I drove down to St. John and did a regional pitch, and this was before COVID. Um, so I did a pitch in person. And then after that, everything was done basically um, remotely. Uh, there was some Zoom calls and things like that. Once I realized that um, I kind of made it past the first cut of the regional pitch, um, they did an interview over Zoom, things like that. Um, they kept me in the loop. There was a chance that I would have to pitch the actual Dragons over Zoom. Uh, and I had that option too if I felt you know that was safer for me. Uh, but I wanted to get there in person and, and get down to the studio. So I drove down to, um, I left here in New Brunswick and drove down to Toronto in August and um, uh, pitched them in the flesh. The only difference, the big differences were we weren't allowed, you know, other uh, models and we weren't allowed, like there was a lot of restrictions within the studio, uh, studio that, um, you know, previous years didn't have, but uh, you know, all in all, I was able to get down there in studio, pitch the dragons, you know, in real life and, and try to make uh, my best impression that way. Right. So when you see no models, like when you did a drive to Toronto, uh, you had to take everything that was on the set, right? Uh, essentially, yeah. I brought, um, I actually mailed, uh, because again, they weren't sure if people would be flying or driving and, and um, they had kind of a different set of rules if you flew or if you drove. So I ended mm -hmm. up driving. So I was able to bring product with me, uh, but I did mail and ship product beforehand. Uh, but you know, in normal years, you would have maybe two or three models kind of model, especially with my business clothing, you'd have two or three models, maybe modeling the product. And, you know, you might have somebody up there with you for the pitch, but, um, they're very strict on the, the amount of people allowed in. Um, I had to use mannequins, for example, instead of actual models. And I had to pitch, um, by myself, um, and, you know, different things like that. That was, you know, a little different than previous years. Mm. And, um, so you get on there action it's your turn to get in there with the nerves yeah i there was tons of nerves um but honestly the nerves were more so before like the days leading up i tried to keep it pretty calm and casual and and just kind of enjoy the city of toronto for for a few days before i actually went to pitch instead of just obsessing you know over the pitch itself um mm. i was very well prepared which gave me confidence and and peace of mind i had practiced a lot like months leading up and weeks leading up and days leading up to the actual pitch. Um, mm. So that brought me some comfort. But the morning of, I mean, I was the first pitch of the morning. It was a 9 a.m. pitch. Um, I was in the studio by 7 uh, that morning. Uh, so that two hours from 7 to 9, I was, you know, I was excited and, and nervous. And and uh, the first, like, you know, 20 seconds of the actual pitch, I was I was a little bit nervous. But once I settled in and, and 
and get comfortable. And especially once they started to kind of converse back and, and, and talk back with me, it became more of a conversation than, than like a stressful um, business pitch, you know? Right. So at what point did you know that, okay, they were kind of getting the sense of what you were trying to pitch them? Um, well, the rules of the show were I had one minute, 60 seconds of without interruption. So the whole goal was, and the Dragons knew as well, you know, hey, we're going to give each pitch at least 60 seconds to kind of get their story across without interruption. So I knew that um, I needed to try to relay as much information about the business in that first 60 seconds as I could. Um, and, and, you know, they didn't interrupt for probably, you know, two minutes instead of just one. So I was lucky I had a little bit extra time too before the questions and stuff came in. So within that first like minute and a half, two minutes, I, I tried to give as much information as I could. Um, and there was still some confusion, you know, and some questions I had to answer in, in different areas. But for the most part, I feel I got my message across in, in that first, uh, you know, two minutes. Mm. And then, you know, <clears throat> you got the feedback from the dragons, uh, people that were on board were on board, but there was this lady, I can't recall her name. She was like, what the, f what she yeah. just, <laughs> Manji, yeah. was like, what are you trying to, like, I don't yeah. get this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you get such a reaction, like, how do you handle it? Um, it was, it was interesting. I mean, you have to keep in mind that it's a television show, right? So, and there was only, uh you know, maybe six or seven minutes that was shown on TV, but I was actually in there for an hour. So there was a lot of footage that was cut out and, um, Manji, like everything, uh, you know, she said and those tough questions and her comments and stuff, you know, she said all those things, um, for sure. But she also said a lot of really nice things, complimented, uh, the business even defended me in a few cases when some of the other dragons had questions raised. Um, so I feel like the way the show was edited, they really made her out to be like a villain. <laughs> uh, but in reality, she wasn't that harsh. I mean, you know, she, she did challenge me, but she also, you know, complimented me that wasn't shown on TV. Um, so for the most part, I mean, I, I try to prepare for all the questions I thought they would, they would ask me. Um, mm. you know, so I try to have answers for those tough questions that I was anticipating. Uh, Manjeet definitely threw a couple in my direction. Mm. Um, but I quickly realized, you know, hey, Manjeet wasn't that interested in the business. So I wanted to focus more heavily on the dragons that I knew were interested, you know? Mm, mm, yeah, no, that was a great strategy. And then, you know, at a point you had three and then it became two. Like, yeah. um, what was the, I guess, what made you go in the direction you finally went with those two dragons? Yeah, Um I've watched the show a lot and I've seen a lot of pitchers make mistakes when they, you know, talk too fast or talk too much. And, and especially during the negotiating uh, part and when the deals are being offered. So I knew going into the show, I was going to give each dragon um, their time to talk without interruption and, and just hear from them and hear what they had to say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so as I was kind of going down the list of uh, the dragons uh, going in and out, I just kind of waited it out and I got all the deals on the table and then, uh, you know, essentially just like I would do any business deal, I looked at the pros and cons to each of their offerings. It was pretty simple because their percentages were all a little different. So I could very easily, you know, calculate kind of the best deal. Um, but by the time it went down the line and it got to Jim, who made his offer in the end, uh, Lane and Arlene both had made our uh, sorry, Lane made an offer, Arlene didn't, but then they got talking and then they made a collaborative offer. Mm -hmm. So before I even kind of had a chance to speak or, or decided I wanted to speak, their deal had changed. 
Um, so Arlene came in and with Lane. Um, and the only real kind of tough, tough part for me was I wanted to counter. I really wanted Jim involved, and, I, and Lane showed a ton of interest. So I really wanted him involved, and I really like Arlene as well. Um, but Vince had, 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 had made an offer. So when I countered for Jim and Lane and Arlene, I think it insulted Vince a little bit. So he dropped out. So I wasn't really surprised that he was going to drop out when I, when I, you know, focused on the other counter offer. Um, and then Arlene just kind of opted out as well. I mean, they made it easy for me. She kind of opted out, uh, once I countered with, um, a lower percentage and then that just left Lane and Jim, and those were two guys I really wanted to work with anyway. So it it was pretty easy to accept that deal. Right. Yeah. No, that was a great episode. And uh, uh, so you get the deal. <laughs> Did you drive back home right away to New Brunswick? Um, I drove back. I think no. Yeah, I left the next day. I took two days to drive home. Uh, I stayed just on the border of Ontario in uh, Cornwall, I believe the town was, right before Quebec. Stayed there the next day and then drove uh, the rest of the drive after that. But see, with the Atlantic rules, I had as soon as I entered New Brunswick, I had to quarantine for two weeks. Mm -hmm. So um, so right away, this was in September now, um, I had quarantined for two weeks and, and then came out. But it, it uh, you know, the whole episode didn't air until November and I had signed a non non-disclosure agreement. So I couldn't tell anybody what I was doing, where I was going, why I was, why I traveled to Ontario. You know, I just told people vaguely it was for business um, right. and that I had to quarantine when I got back. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, you know, I just wanted to start with that because it was great watching that episode. And I just, you know, I'm curious how, you know, the behind the scenes of that goes. But let's start at the beginning, though. You know, you grew up playing hockey uh, and then you pretty much... <clears throat> went from there to i think the chicago wolves right yeah so a few stops along the way all um, right I, I started my junior in halifax actually in in your neck of the woods and uh played for the moose heads there for a few years nice. um, i was eventually drafted to um, the nhl the vancouver canucks and uh, vancouver assigned me to europe to develop so i played in europe for a while and then also vancouver had connected me with a um uh, try out with Chicago, with the Chicago Wolves. So I signed a contract with, with those guys in the American League. Um, they sent me down to the East Coast League, played there for a while, um, and then eventually went to school, and that's where that's when I started my business. Okay, you know what? I've always been meaning to ask this, but I just, you know, everyone I ask just watches hockey. They don't play. Why is, like, fighting allowed in hockey? <laughs> like, I... It's, yeah. it's like it's legal, right? Like you know, oh, yeah. people are playing. Then you stop, you take out the gloves, and then they throw down. Yeah. Like yeah. how? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I I think it's the only sport you're allowed to do that. Um, <laughs> but I, honestly, it's it's a self policing way of the game. You know, like you, it really keeps people accountable. Like it keeps people from uh, avoiding cheap shots. It keeps people from doing certain things on the ice because. You know, if you do those things, you're going to have to answer the bell. You're going to have to drop your gloves and, and, and fight. And in most cases, people don't want to fight. You know, there's a there's a small percentage of guys that can and will and that are good at it. And then a higher <laughs> percentage of guys that don't want to. So you kind of keep those guys that don't want to fight accountable by just mm -hmm. having a few guys skating around that will. You know, so it's um, it's certainly an interesting um, aspect to the game. And it's entertaining. But uh, just speaking from a player standpoint... Yeah, uh, you know it's a lot of fun and it and it works. Like I said, it keeps a lot of people accountable. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it's always fun to watch. But like, you know, so so you decide, okay, I'm going back to school. Like, did you start country liberty while you were in school or after it was done? Yeah, so I started it um, when I was in school. When I was in living in Europe, that's when I kind of come up with the idea. But I was so focused on hockey, I didn't do anything about it. And then when I went to school, I, I knew I was, you know, going to university for the duration of a degree. So I said, you know, if I'm going to start a passion project like this, uh, now would be the time. So when I was in the university, that's when I got started and just started selling out of my apartment on campus. Mm, mm. And the name, where is it from? Um, the name was pretty simple to me i wanted somebody to be able to read the name and just understand it right away i wanted it to be very self-explanatory so it was very important to have um, the word country within the within the name uh, to me and then i was just looking for a, another word that represented freedom essentially so originally i wanted to call the brand country free um, and then as i got going with uh, trademark searches and things like that and started to take it more serious, I realized that um, Liberty would have been a much stronger name moving forward. Mm. Um, so then, yeah, it just kind of came together as, as Country Liberty. And originally it seemed like a mouthful, like it didn't, it seemed like it was a really long name. Mm. Um, but now that we've been operating so much and, you know, saying it so often, it just, it flows naturally. Right, yeah, no, no, completely, totally. Um, and then you're selling your, your dumb, but so it's like, it was just like you making, was it t-shirts, was it hoodies, which ones were you focused yeah. on? Yeah. So, um, I had a, a partner actually at the time. So we each put in $200 and Whoa. we ordered, uh, well, we got our design made, which cost me $180. And then we ordered uh, 12 t-shirts. Mm -hmm. Um, so we printed on the 12 t-shirts. We each kept one. So I had 10 to sell. Sold them to basically uh, family, family and friends. And then um, I ordered after that 50 tank tops, which led into hoodies and then eventually hats. So it started with tees, then tanks, then hoodies, um, and then and then ball hats. Right. And then, yep. so you're growing it there. At what point did you like see, okay, it's a viable business? Was it right away? Uh, definitely not right away. No, there was a long time. Uh, I don't know how long, but there was a f certainly a few years where I wasn't, you know, even paying myself because they're just, we weren't generating enough money. And, and to be fair, I wasn't putting in uh, the amount of effort either. You know, I was studying, um, and I was playing hockey and I was doing different things. Uh, but once I graduated from university, I, I was faced with a decision, you know, do I want to play professional hockey again, or do I want to take this business, um, more serious? So I, you know, decided to kind of go all in on the business. And, and it was at that point that I uh, had bought my partner out um, and just went on my own. So I kind of took the risk at that point, went all in and just started working like super full time on it, um, keeping as much money as I could within the business, working other jobs to, to pay my bills and then and then just trying to grow the business organically. How difficult was that decision? It was really tough. I mean, I played hockey my whole life and I reached a certain point that uh, you know, it could sustain my living. I could play professionally and get paid. Um, so it was really tough for that point. It's like, you know, I love hockey and I could do that as a job or, you know, I really enjoy this, this new, this new thing called business that was new to me. Um, so yeah, it was really tough, but at the end of the day, I feel like, um, being a business owner, I, I can, there's more longevity to, to my career. You know, I could uh, run businesses until I'm, 85 years old, where as an athlete, you're limited to, you know, 30, yeah. 35 years old, and, and then you're done, you know?
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you go all in, working, and then plowing everything back into country liberty. Were you still in Europe at this point? No, no. So I had left Europe when I was 19, and and, um, and then I started university when I was 21. So when I was 21, that's when uh, I started kind of coming right, up right. with the idea. Uh, and where was it? It was here? And it, it was in New Brunswick, yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. And then, you know, so it's growing. What point did you, like, get into social media? Because your Instagram is crazy. Both yeah. your personal one <laughs> and Country Liberty's one. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I got into social right away. Like, when I first started even just selling out of the apartment, I started a Facebook and Instagram page. Um, I wasn't very good at marketing. I didn't personally use – I didn't use Facebook at all at that mm -hmm. point personally. Instagram a little bit, but it was more like – kind of university type pictures, hanging out with buddies, things like that, right? It wasn't really marketing. Um, so then I started to kind of get into it a little bit there and and, and just started to kind of learn as I used it. Uh, but use that as a tool, a free tool, to kind of get mm. some brand awareness and try to generate some sales. Mm, mm, mm. And like, uh, so how did you grow it? Because, uh, I mean, it wasn't right away, right? No, no, we it was steady growth, um, just steady growth. Uh, right up until now basically and and uh you know just posting good content and doing a lot of um like collaborations and some influencer marketing and contesting and um just anything i mean social media changes so fast and so does the strategy so throughout the last few years i've been just trying whatever strategy seemed to be on trend and working and and uh, and yeah that's kind of how we arrived to where we are yeah yeah it's grown is a lot uh how do you decide you know so like most of the people on the on the pages are they like people that actually bought the outfits or like uh models specifically just to model the outfit it it depends um we do a lot of everything you know a handful of uh of the shots are models so very specific you know um us going out and shooting and and you know and most often with new products that's how we get our content as well but some of it's uh customer generated customers that are that are wearing it and some of them are um you know just other creative minds out there that we kind of ship products to and they go out and create on their own do photos and videos things like that um and then send back to us to to post mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um one thing i didn't touch on was your TikTok. how did you get into <laughs> that because it's insane too <laughs> Yeah, so um, I actually, it's been a few months since I've been on TikTok, but for a while I was uh, I was on it really heavy, really aggressively and, and really learning because I spoke to a lot of people, um, not a lot, but a few people that were on Instagram when Instagram first started. And, and some of the biggest influencers and, and biggest pages on Instagram now um, were the first people on Instagram or the first of their niche on Instagram. So... I, I recognized a lot of value in being first. And, and when I heard of this thing that was kind of hitting the scene, TikTok, I, I needed to explore it and start experimenting and posting for myself. So um, I made a personal page and, and, and did that myself and, and you know, hey, kind of grew organically as well. But the quality of content there is, is much lower. Again, I haven't been on a few month, in a few months, but I think the, the, the reason for my growth was simply because I was there first. You know, mm. I was an early person on the platform, not necessarily because the content is that that high of quality, you know. <laughs> but it is because <laughs> let's talk about something you, you did a, a lot. Did 
a lot and did properly on your um tiktok especially was like taking people on the journey of renovating this house do you want to talk about that yeah yeah absolutely so um again with tiktok it was just a big experiment you know i'd go on and be serious i'd go on and crack jokes i'd go on and do uh, business stuff or i do renovation stuff and and one of the things that really clicked with people was um renovations and and building uh the liberty village and you know renovating cabins renovating my house things like that people seem really interested in um so that was just something i jumped on i mean it was something i was doing anyway it, you know i wasn't buying houses to renovate them for my tiktok page I was just, those were things that I was doing. So, so I said, you know, I might as well be filming and sharing it as well. Right. If, you know, if people enjoy watching it. Right. Yo, no, no, it's great. I love it. Um, and then you mentioned uh, Liberty Village. Let's talk about that. So Country Liberty has grown, you know, it's doing okay. Um, and then at what point did you think of the village? Yeah. So I, um, I'm the type of person that I don't like to sit still too long. Like I always like to be trying different things doing different things and and learning all the time um so i i always had this kind of dream to have uh you know a small cabin resort and once country liberty started to grow and as a brand and become you know better known i really uh recognized the value of you know leveraging the country liberty brand into another business um so so i thought you know hey if i can borrow some brand equity and promote different projects that are all relevant to country liberty uh, from a business side of things, I, I would, but also um, I realized, you know, our customers, there's a massive overlap between customers that supported my clothing and customers that enjoy that type of like cabin outdoor experience. Right. Um, so I basically just married the two and started, um, you know, building my first uh, little resort here in New Brunswick. Right. So let's get into that. You had this idea. How did you execute it? Um, honestly, like crossing my fingers, <laughs> working really hard and just trying my best. Like it was, again, it was the first time I did anything like this. I didn't have really much guidance. So I made a lot of mistakes and I kind of learned the hard way in a few areas, but I basically just went at it. I, I um, ended up buying four cabins that were already built. Um, I kind of made a deal with the owner f for those and I, you know, bought a piece of land. And so I put the two together and I just, one thing kind of led me to the other in terms of like the infrastructure, you know, one contractor would lead me to the next contractor and lead me to the next person um, until ultimately I had the whole thing built. So, um, yeah, it was basically just a step by step and just kind of learning, learning as I went um, type of process. Right. Um, so what what uh, facilities at the village now? So we have eight um, uh, units to rent. Uh, we just got two hot tubs in. They're not quite operating yet, but they will be in the next week or two. Uh, we have two more hot tubs on the way. Uh, we have a beach volleyball court, a uh, great big gazebo with a couple barbecues, uh, tons of like lawn games like your horseshoes and your um, cornhole and your washer toss and, uh, you know, things like that. Um, and then we also have, I'm working on an older, um, uh, restoring an old cabin that is going to be used as like a community building, you know, where you can go in and play cards or you can go in and eat lunch or you can, you know, play board games, um, have a drink, uh, you know, those types of things. So that's something that isn't available yet, but something that we're working on right now. Dope, dope. Uh, yeah. You know, like cabin, stay on, uh, you know, nature stuff is like so aligned with your brand. And I remember watching that pitch and thinking, you know, so... 
uh, that lady, I, I, I keep forgetting <laughs> her name. She's like, so, oh, wait, it's a t-shirt stuff. And like, no, 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 there's, there's this village. And yeah. that was, I felt, at least how we saw it in the show was what brought some of the other dragons in when they're like, okay, wait, so you have this thing, you grew it into this big, big, big business now, yeah. but wait, you are also tying this thing to what you do. And it's like, oh, well, I get it. It makes sense. Cause like, yeah, this is like the, the, it's a brand actually. Right. You know, so yeah. it, it can have different offshoots. Uh, and then the village, the liberated villages, another of the offshoots of it. I think that's what pulled people in. One thing I like also is on your, I think it's on your Instagram or maybe the country liberty one. There's a there's a photo of you holding up this, uh, like you know, like a map on a tiny, you know, just on like an a on a book. Yeah, and kind of draws like what the um, cabins will look like. Is yep. that where it started and then it became that um actually i i drew that picture during my quarantine after dragons after dragon's den so that photo was that actually came after um we built the village first and that drawing represents a sign that we're painting for when our guests arrive they can take a look at the sign and, and understand where each cabin is and what each cabin uh, I guess the purpose of each cabin and, and things like that. So that was actually a drawing to replicate a sign that we're getting painted. Nice. Um, um, Is the sign done yet? No, not yet. No. <laughs> okay. So, you know, you, you had this idea for a while. COVID yeah. came. How did it affect Liberty Village? Uh, you know, basically, how did it affect everything you've been working on so far? Yeah. So, um I, I am very thankful that, you know, I'm still in business and, and I know that it's such a tough, tough time for a lot of business owners and operators and, 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 you know, just tough time for everybody, you know, individuals. Um, and I was pretty, I was pretty afraid, you know, I, I was at a trade show in January before COVID started. And I remember hearing a lot of these manufacturers from around the world talking about this virus and how serious it was in, in, in their home countries. Um, it, it wasn't serious yet here in North America. But um, come March, it got really serious. You know, everything started to close down. And, and I was, you know, I was pretty worried and concerned about how it would affect my livelihood and my business. And, mm -hmm. and uh, Liberty Village wasn't even open yet at that point. It was like 75% built. So I was completely invested in that. There was no turning back at that point. Um, so I basically just, you know, kind of crossed my fingers and, and tried to react and adapt as quickly as I could to just the world around me that was changing so fast. Mm -hmm. um, completely changed my marketing strategy with Liberty Village. I really planned on uh, bringing in people from outside New Brunswick. That was kind of the, that was kind of the goal just because I was new to the vacation scene and, um, or, or sorry, the tourism scene. And I assumed that most people from New Brunswick would vacation outside of the province. So I thought, you know, I would try to bring people from outside the province within the province. Mm -hmm. um, but in reality, a lot of New Brunswickers, I mean, 95% of our customers at Liberty Village have been from New Brunswick. So very, very thankful for that, um, for the support here, for everybody, you know, doing their staycations. Um, so that was certainly something. And then, you know, when the clothing stores closed, um, I focused more heavily online. I mean, that was all I could do, right? It was my only sales channel at that point. Mm -hmm. So when the stores closed, I put more effort in, into the online strategy um, and just kind of adapted along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, online is doing a lot of the, you know, push for most people and selling their products 
But you, you know, let's go back a little bit though. How did you get into your first store? Was that a difficult thing to achieve? Um, the first store wasn't too tough. I mean, I'm from a small town. There's only 800 people. And um, when I got back from university, I had just a little bit of product. And I got into that first store uh, based on consignment. Basically, uh, you know, no risk to the store owner. If we sold things, I would pay him a commission. And that was basically it. Um, but, you know, being from a small town, it was well supported. The harder part was getting into the uh, more stores outside of my hometown. Because in my hometown, you know, everybody knew what I was up to um, and who I was and things like that. But getting into stores outside of my hometown was harder because, um, you know, most people didn't know who I was. Most people didn't know what the brand was. You know, so I didn't have any of those kind of advantages um, getting into those stores. But I eventually found store owners that, you know, shared the same values as I did and, and, and uh, you know, agreed to, to carry the, the products in their stores and, and just kind of grow that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it also helps that the outfits look great, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It helps that it looks great. So now um, having a dragon as part of your business how is that experience it's uh it's really cool like you know i had this conversation this morning it, it, it i always view these dragons as um celebrities you know and and now i'm able to work with them and and uh you know have calls with them and, and email them and things like that so it's really really interesting and and uh really cool and and my whole goal was working with them was to simply you know surround myself with successful people that have you know really good experience and that was the whole reason why i wanted to go on the show um so now just being able to interact and just learn from these you know learn from the people that have been there done that and, and at a huge scale it's it's really cool and uh you know i again the most value i take from it is just those learning experiences um you know they have so much to offer and they don't even know half the time they're teaching but just watching them you know you can learn things and, and watching the way they carry themselves and the things they do and the way that they think you know so um my goal is to you know become a successful business person so i want to surround myself with you know other successful business people mm, mm. so um you've owned a business i mean you started with a partner right mm -hmm. but then you bought them out and you've pretty much owned country liberty yourself yep every decision you've had to make i mean i know they just uh, i can't recall how many percent you were offering for your business but yep. like now you have to do put their consideration uh, put them into consideration right when you're making decisions and stuff um i i don't really because it's funny the deal that i agreed to on the show is completely different than the actual deal that happened and that, mm. that's what goes on with Dragon's Den. You know, you make a deal on the show, and it's a handshake basis, and it's an introduction, essentially. Um, but once the due diligence starts, you know, a renegotiation is, is born, basically. So based on the way the deal was, um, I still have, you know, full control, and I get to make my decisions and, and the, way that I, the way that I want, uh, which is important to them, too. You know, they invested in a business and, and a business operator, based on what they've done. So a lot of these dragons don't want to come in and completely change your business or completely change the way you operate. Mm. They just, they, they chose to invest in you because they think that there's something there. So they just kind of let us do our thing. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, what is your approach to make to business? You've done this for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. What are like your three things you always look out for whenever you want to start something? 
Say like before you started Liberty Village. Yeah. Um, definitely two things I always, always consider is one, the numbers. I mean, the numbers don't lie. You, you can love a business or you can want a business to work, you know, but if the numbers don't check out, it'll never work. Um, and two, well, three, I say two would be definitely passion. Like I, I'm not interested in, you know, we all have 24 hours a day. We have maybe 10, 12 productive hours a day. I'm not interested in working on something that I, I'm not passionate about mm -hmm. uh, just because, you know, life's too short. So certainly passion is one thing I always look for in projects, in businesses and, and you know, things like that. Um, and what was my third thought? Jeez, I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, well, I guess, I guess my third would probably be the, the amount of effort, you know, like again, we're limited time. So starting the village, I had to have a real conversation with myself and say, you know, how much time and effort am I going to put into this? And it's important that I don't take away from country Liberty by, you know, spending too much time at Liberty village or too much time on a different project. It's important to respect, you know, the business that pays the bills, which is, you know, country Liberty. And it's, it's important not to get excited over something new just because it's new. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I would definitely say, you know, time, energy, um, a passion and then the finances, the numbers. Right. The numbers for sure. Uh, talking about numbers, how do you decide the people you hire to work for you in any of your businesses? Um, I typically, I, well, for a while I was the only one. So I learned the basics of different areas and, and as a business owner, you have to wear a lot of different hats. Mm -hmm. Um, so I learned the basis and, and then I basically reverse engineer myself. It's like, I look at my weaknesses and, and inefficiencies and, and try to fill those gaps with working with people and, 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 uh, partnering with different people and hiring different people just to, uh, you know, basically fill in the gaps within my skill set and also, uh, within my like inefficiencies. So that's basically mm. how I decide to, you know, work with different people. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, I mean, cause like, you know, you kind of want to have people that balance out the things you're not really strong at. So when you have yeah. that, it just takes the thing to the next level. Now that country, uh, sorry, uh, the liberal village is where you'd like it to be and vaccines are rolling out and, yeah. you know, eventually life will open. Um, once Liberty Village is doing the numbers you had in mind, are you looking at opening up something else? Uh, I'm always looking at doing different things. <laughs> I mean, that's just my personality. Yeah. I mean, I've had, you know, 10 different business ideas in the last year. Um, but I need to remain disciplined and, and focused on what's important and what I have and, and instead of focusing on what I don't have. And, and then when the time is right, yeah, absolutely. I'd open something else and, and, you know, uh, probably associated with the brand country Liberty, because I, I, you can see a theme here where country Liberty is the brand and I'm just creating extensions off the brand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can almost guarantee I'll start more, um, more businesses that are simply extensions off what I already have. Mm. One other thing that also stood out for me on your Instagram was uh, one, I don't know if it's just a hood or, but basically you made Elsie strong. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about this? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my, my minor hockey coach had, had passed away on April 3rd um, in a boating tragedy off uh, Shetty Camp in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. Um, and it really hit hard, you know, it, it, it was really upsetting. The entire community has been upset, um, and is upset. And, and, you know, I was very upset and, and I just wanted to, um, you know, do something 
good to kind of give back in in honor of of the minor hockey coach that I had lost, uh, Craig Sock. We called him Jumbo. Um, so I wanted to give back in the name of Jumbo somehow. Um, so I you know simply just looked into again my skill set and resources and network and decided hey the easiest thing would probably be to you know come out with a, a design and a hoodie that represents this project and 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 donate all of the proceeds back so we're just kind of at the tail end of the project actually it was very successful i'm not really sure exactly how much we raised uh, yet but uh, i know that it was a really good chunk of change um, and it's really rewarding and i'm really really proud to be able to um, you know donate that very soon um, in his name Mm. Uh, and you know um th- that's another that kind of leads me to the next thing where you know you're building country liberty it's it's bringing funds you know it's it's you built a successful business but there's something where you do where you always give back and it's not just because a tragedy happened like in this mm-hmm. case but why is giving back something that's important to you um i know that especially starting out and even now, I mean, I'm still young in my career. Uh, we all need help, you know, and, and, um, sometimes a little bit of help, you know, or what seems like a little bit to somebody is a lot to somebody else. So, uh, to me, I think that that's important is, you know, if you can provide some of the breaks that people catch along their journeys, I I think that it's really good. And, and I, I look back and like I said, Jumbo was a minor hockey coach of mine for 10 years all volunteer based you know he didn't have to do that he chose to give back um he chose to you know help us kids which we probably weren't always that much fun to work with you know because we're little kids you know so um you know he made those sacrifices and commitment and 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 to me i would like to do that with now that i'm an adult i would like to give back as well as as much as i can um you know just knowing that how far it goes and and just you know being grateful for everybody that had given me um different things along along my journey Mm, mm. Yeah, you know, that 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 whole, you know, coming from a small community, building this career and then, you know, things that have happened to you have come because people have also stretched a hand to lift you up. So doing the things you're doing to give back is always great. I'm going to let you go because you're a really busy man, Sawyer. <laughs> but uh, I, I have one last question for you, and, and this is... Sure this is just really for me like uh what do you do when you know because like in instagram tiktok whatever it's kind of like the highlights right um it's really difficult to show when shit is not going well yeah but in a business it's not always roses right so how do you handle those not very good times and keep it going um that's yeah that's a great question a great point about social media i mean social media is the highlights and and that's you know we should all know that for those that don't we should because it isn't like you said it isn't all just roses and and um often you know there is headaches you know every week for sure there's different challenges and things that i have um, sometimes every day and it's just a matter of you know staying the course and staying positive and you know having faith and confidence that you'll figure it out and most times we do. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of problems and there's been, you know, you know, just problems. And there's been times that, you know, you lost money or you lose out on a deal or, you you know, different things. And that's just business and that's just life. Um, but for the most part, things work itself out, you know, and I think that it, it's important too. I always try to ground myself and just remind myself, you know, like if I have a problem this week, well, three years ago, 
uh, I wasn't in the position I'm in right now. So I should just be happy to be here. And, you know, yeah, I have a problem, but it could be a whole lot worse. So um, I think that just, you know, trying to um, keep that positive mindset is pretty important. Right. I said that was my last question, but I skipped a question. Um, and this is, you know, one of your highlights. I, I love your highlights, right? But my favorite one is the thoughtfulness one. Yeah. Why you. did you, you know, why did you choose that one? Um, I'm a bit of a like quote geek, to be honest. I really like reading quotes. I love writing as well, uh, which it would be crazy. I mean, if if you asked any of my high school student, uh, high school teachers, they would be shocked that I'm saying this now, but I really enjoy writing and I really enjoy thoughtful writing and quotes and things like that and, and inspiration and, and lifting people up. So, um, as you mentioned, one of the highlights is thoughtfulness and it's simply just quotes that I've come across on Instagram, most in which I didn't write, uh, but just quotes that I found, you know, either lifted me up or was a good perspective. And I wanted to put them in a place on, on my page that, you know, if somebody was feeling down, maybe they'd click through it and it would bring them up. Right. Well, it works for me. So that's why I, I don't know why that, I was going to leave with that. And then the dragon names thing happened. Man, yeah. Sawyer, so, uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for coming to the sanctuary. And you know what? When Nova Scotians start, where we are allowed to cross again without the two weeks thing, I'll yeah. definitely come and check out the Liberty Village for sure, my wife and I. Awesome, man. I would, I would love to have you guys. And, uh, you know, maybe we could hang out and, and uh, you know, have a bonfire or something like that when you do. Nice. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man.